Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we'll learn about Save Our Seine River Environment, a local organization driven by volunteers who are working to help keep the Seine River clean and beautiful. Then, the Endow Manitoba 24-hour giving challenge is happening in a couple of weeks, and it's a great opportunity to support your community all across Manitoba. We're going to hear from Denise Campbell and Alan Goddard from the Winnipeg Foundation to learn all about Last week we heard from Sednet director Sarah Leeson Klim about their event, The Gathering, and this week we'll hear from Abdi Ahmed and Elder May Louise Campbell, two of the gathering's keynote speakers about why events like this mean so much to our community. And finally, we'll talk to Wendy Martin White, the chair of IDEA, which stands for Inclusion, Diversity, and Equality Appreciation. We're going to learn about their gratitude gala that's taking place this Saturday, November 3rd, and we're going to learn about the wonderful accomplishments of the people who will be honored with awards that evening. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert coming at you from the quarter of Portage in Maine here at the Richardson Building from the CJNU studios. Robert, how are you doing this fine uh, November day? I'm doing pretty well, Nolan. How are you doing? I'm well. I thought uh, I had to remind myself that we're in November already because it's been a little bit surprising. I feel like this year has gone by so it, quickly. We're almost in 2019. Wow. Two months away. That's craziness. Uh, at the end of October, actually, uh, before we get into the show, let's talk a little bit about CJNU and uh, their pledge drive that just happened last week. You heard, uh, if you were listening to the show, we were live from the studio from the pledge drive and... Uh, by the looks of the board, the big board that we're looking at right now, Robert, uh, their goal was to hit fifty thousand dollars. And what was their total amount raised? Well, it looks like they've they've well exceeded that with a current total of fifty four thousand dollars, fifty four thousand and one hundred and seventy dollars, wow. which is incredible. And uh, round of applause. Just want to say congratulations yeah. to CJNU and and thank you to everyone in the community for showing your support for listener-driven community radio. It, uh, you know, it's the only way that we're able to actually bring you our program on the radio airwaves. So we appreciate you supporting our friends at CJNU. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's the best. CJNU is a great home and a great partner to have for River City 360. So we're happy to uh, happy that they exceeded their goal. And uh, yeah, great work. Great work all around. Mm-hmm. We always kick off River City 360 with a song. Our first uh, story today is going to be all about the Seine River, so maybe you could have a song that mentions a river. Robert, what have you got for us today? We're going to start things off with the Blue Baron Orchestra and their song Cruising Down the River right here on River City 360. Cruising down the river, Oh, mm-hmm. 
considered one of Winnipeg's best-kept secrets, but Save Our Seine River environment and the committed community volunteers like Will Masotas who run it think that it's about time more Winnipeggers got to know the Seine River. I've lived in a variety of places in the city, but when I moved on to the Seine River, then I was taken by the beauty of the area. It is the, I would say, the most beautiful place in the city now if we can get this recognized for a waterway that can be opened up to the public. Save Our Seine works to protect, restore, and educate the public about the environment surrounding the Seine River, a calm and scenic 26-kilometer waterway that flows from the Red River floodway through St. Vital and St. Boniface before merging into the Red River. Here's Save Our Seine's Executive Director, Michelle Kading. It is a very winding, meandering river, so its level is generally shallower than the Assiniboine and Red, which are much more powerful and fast-moving. It's a really good place to get your first taste of being in a canoe or a kayak in a very safe and welcoming environment. It's a very scenic river, and as such, it has tremendous potential for educating the public and school groups. It uh, has wonderful potential for tourism as well, if we can keep it clean and beautiful. Volunteers have been the driving force throughout Save Our Seine's history. The organization started in 1990 when, seeing the algae, garbage, and debris floating in the river, nearby residents organized to help keep the river clean. Those annual cleanups continue to this day, and Wilma, who was one of Save Our Seine's volunteer coordinators, noted how the community formed through the organization inspires its volunteers. The volunteers, a call is put out and they come out and help whenever. And sometimes they're just along the pathway and they're cleaning litter on their own. So what has happened is kind of a partnership of community without asking. But even after more than 25 years of annual cleanups, pollution remains an issue for the Seine River. Here's Michelle Kading again. There is still debris and garbage every year, whether it's shopping carts, old tires, <laughs> vehicles sometimes, mattresses, furniture, you name it, people toss it into the river. And it's there until someone comes along to remove it. So that is an ongoing challenge the river faces. Nearby development also disrupts the natural environment, reducing biodiversity, opening the door to invasive weeds, and leading to water quality issues. For example, when rainwater from lawns and streets drains directly through underground pipes, the water doesn't have a chance to be naturally cleansed before it drains into rivers like the Seine. So, Save Our Seine is taking on these challenges by designing its Seine River Enhancement Project around four key objectives. Restoring the habitat and protecting the forest, public awareness and education, facilitating its annual river cleanups, and water quality protection. A few years ago, we had put in a rain garden near the junction of Fermor and St. Anne's. 
And so some of the, the stormwater off of the Superstore parking lot and Firmer Avenue was directed into this rain garden and it was planted with native species that would help clean the pollutants out of the water before the water continued down the storm drain. Michelle noted that in light of this year's dry summer, a Winnipeg Foundation grant toward the highest priority elements of the enhancement project provided extra help to ensure the proper maintenance of the plants. We had planned ahead that we might need someone in addition to our volunteers to be able to provide consistency to keep the plants alive and allow them to get well established. And so we, one of the key components of the, the grant from the Winnipeg Foundation was used to hire a Greenway gardener. And that gardener worked on the rain garden component. We also created a, a shrub bed at another location along the Greenway near the Hindu temple on St. Anne's. And we also did some work in a, a meadow a little bit farther south as well. And the foundation's grant was also key to save our scene producing a hydrology map furthering its progress on new interpretive signage, and purchasing a new truck to help facilitate its river cleanups. It's very difficult to find a vehicle that will sit five adults and have a lot of space for their stuff. They have a lot of stuff. They've got a rowboat on the roof, and they've got all of their safety gear, their paddles, the equipment that they need for cutting and trimming branches of trees falling into the river. And then at the other end, they have to have space to bring all of that stuff out of the river and take it to the dump. So they needed a lot of storage, cargo space, as well as space for them. We don't have an office, so really our, our vehicle is Save Our Sane's office in the summer months when our team is using it. It is our identity. We don't have a storefront. We don't have an office front. So people don't see our sign on, a, on, on an office on the street. So that is adding to the visibility of our organization as well. And that visibility is something that Wilma Sotas hopes that Save Our Sane can continue to gain to ensure that more people are becoming aware of and are seeing the potential in the Seine River. Possibly not enough attention has been paid to it, but I think now's the time. It is a beautiful river that is worth enhancing and protecting. To learn more about Save Our Seine, visit SaveOurSane.com. For River City 360, I'm Robert Zirk. Robert, to read a little bit more about the Seine River and about Robert's uh, story and interview there, you can check out the Winnipeg Foundation's Working Together magazine that was released just this week. Uh, you can visit wpgfdn.org for more information. Coming up next, we're going to learn about the Endow Manitoba 24-Hour Giving Challenge. Last year, this challenge raised over a million dollars for various local community foundations, and it's the fifth annual 24-hour giving challenge, which is happening November 17th. Uh, it's going to be a Saturday, 24 hours where you can call in and uh, raise some money for some great causes for some rural community foundations all throughout our great province. Uh, so we're going to learn all about that from Denise Campbell and Alan Goddard from the Winnipeg Foundation right after our next musical break. Robert, what are we going to hear? Before we're joined by Denise and Alan today, we're going to hear Roy Hamilton with You'll Never Walk Alone right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by two very special guests. We've got Alan Goddard and Denise Campbell. They are the director and program specialist for Endow Manitoba. Alan, Denise, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So, Alan, you were on the show last month, and we were discussing uh, the regional meeting with dozens, dozens of community foundations. How many community foundations were there? You know what? In total, there was over three dozen. Three dozen community foundations all throughout Man- Manitoba uh, that took place in Dauphin. Um, so how did that go? What did you guys take away from that meeting? Just give us a little summary about what happened there. Well, first of all, uh, we had a fantastic time. And, and hats off, really, to the Dauphin and District Community Foundation that hosted such a welcoming and warm event. Uh, right now, what we're looking at in terms of outcomes was uh, at least 80 people showed up and... Uh, 
participated in four or five uh, worthwhile workshops. Very cool. Denise, what's one thing you took away that surprised you or you didn't expect to learn or see or think or, or feel or experience? Well, Friday night, the Dauphin and District Community Foundation put on this wonderful gala dinner and they, they we, we had said to them, oh, it'd be nice to have a little bit of, of entertainment. Well, they went over and above. They had the Ukrainian dancers come in and do this fantastic dance for us. And then they had, I think they were called their little jiggers. It was their little square dancing group that finished off our evening and what I mean they were fabulous to watch but what was really heartwarming is that all the dancers came off the stage at the end and shook our hands and made contact and allowed us to say thank you you know so that was just something you know it was really different for for us and it was really heartwarming Yeah, beautiful little moments there oh it was it was it's all about kind of creating community right so like yes endow manitoba is all about creating this community of community foundations that are outside the border of the perimeter highway here so like how important is community when it comes to community foundations in rural manitoba i mean it's it's huge i mean what we're seeing when we compare like the growth of the community foundation movements in the larger centers, um, whether that's Winnipeg or Toronto or Calgary or Vancouver, compared to what we're seeing in rural Manitoba, um, like per capita, if you look at for you if you look at the size of those community foundations, their growth is just astronomical, hmm. and it really speaks to the benefit these community foundations have in supporting the arts, the culture, uh, the health the vitality of their communities, not just now, but generations from now. And it speaks to friendly Manitoba too, a little bit. Hey, you know, you're, cause you're meeting people from all across, like where's the farthest away that the community foundation from Winnipeg that, uh, Thompson, Thompson, okay, Thompson, right. Flint. We actually had people in from Flin Flon this cool. time, which is the Northern neighbors community foundation. Oh, we actually had someone all the way from Kenora. Yes. Oh, While yeah. not a Manitoba foundation, we consider them a Manitoba foundation, just by association. Makes yes. sense, hey? Yes, so you're what, adopting them. What are, what are some um, common themes and common um, experiences that all these community foundations go through do, that, that you maybe learned about at the regional meeting? From my perspective, the thing that, that really amazed me was, was our attitude that community foundations are Manitoba's best-kept secret. Mm. In that every mm-hmm. community, we have yeah. 55 of them spread across the province. They do such amazing good. But in each of the communities that they're located, many people don't even, aren't even aware of the great work they do. Right. And so what we really need to change and what I realize is we need to start bringing awareness to the good work they're doing, not only in Winnipeg, but across our province. Absolutely. So I guess that's going to be kind of the role of Endow Manitoba moving forward is helping with the, with the, uh, with the awareness. Yes, yes. Well, that's our hope yeah. is that we're going to help them help themselves get their word out, uh, sure. get their message out. Um, tell everybody about the great work that they're doing and the the projects that they're funding. Like they've got, you know, like the Winnipeg Foundation, we do a lot of granting here. Mm-hmm. But the community foundations in Manitoba do a lot of grassroots granting. Right. You know, they're they're so entrenched in their community that they're they usually know, you know, what does my community really need? You know, like do we need to improve the parks? Do we need to improve schools? Do we need what what do we need to yeah. do? Cool. Yeah. And, and their impact is actually growing substantially as well. If you look at reports that we did even 20 years ago, uh, the rural community foundations or the community foundations outside the capital region, they represented, and I'm saying this only, but they represented only uh, 10 to 15 million in total funds under assets. 20 years later, 
we're now looking at them having 107 million wow. in assets. That's, that's, a, that's a growth of almost 10 times. Well, in that same time, Winnipeg's own impressive growth um, has only, has only uh, risen by, what, six times? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing to kind of compare. Another sort of thing that will get the awareness out for a lot of these community foundations is the Endow Manitoba 24-Hour Giving Challenge. Is this the 10th yes. annual? Did I read that? Fifth. Fifth annual. Sorry. Yeah. Fifth annual. So this is the fifth annual 24-Hour Giving Challenge yes. happening November 17th. What exactly is this 24-Hour Giving Challenge? Give me, the, give me the Cole's notes. Basically, it's a day that we're trying to get all of Manitoba to contribute to their local community foundations for their unrestricted funds. Cool. So that's what creates those wonderful grants and those projects within the, within the, um, the communities. From, from my perspective, the 24-hour giving challenge is, is our opportunity to support community foundations' development of undesignated funds. These funds provide the flexibility for those community foundations as times change and as their communities grow to address those changing times and provide grants to whoever and whatever is required for those times. So with the 24-hour giving challenge, I understand for ever, or for the first $10,000 raised by these community foundations, uh, the Winnipeg Foundation is going to stretch that with an additional 2000 as well as the Manitoba government's going to stretch it for another 2000 What are you hoping that the community foundations um, can accomplish throughout the 24-hour the giving challenge on, on November 17th? At the very least, what we're hoping for is 100% participation by all 55 community foundations across, across Manitoba. This is a great opportunity to grow funds that provide them flexibility, and we want to see everyone participate. From there, um, last year we raised almost a million dollars in that time, and this year we're hoping to break that, uh, break that uh, ceiling. ceiling. Very cool. Um, you were talking about Pinawa before we went on the air. Tell me a little bit about their successful year last year at the 24-Hour Giving Challenge. Yeah, actually, for the last two years, Pinawa has engaged one of their local companies to do additional matching or oh, additional cool. stretching. So on top of the stretch. On top of the regular stretch. So they've they've raised each year almost, a, well, the first year they raised 100000 and they almost hit 100000 again last year. Wow. So by asking some of their local businesses to help extend that stretch, they were able to, uh, you know, grow their endowments a lot Incredible. more than if they hadn't. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> so if anyone out there is listening right now and wants a little bit more information about Endow Manitoba or about their local community foundation, there's a lot of um, people f- living in Winnipeg that used to live in some of these communities. Yes. Uh, where can they find out more information? If you're interested in finding out uh, a community foundation that's near and dear to your heart, either because you live in that community or you're from that community, we encourage you to visit uh, www.endowmanitoba.ca. There is a tab at the top that will help you find your community foundation. And on the day of the 24-hour giving challenge, which is Saturday, November 17th of this year, we encourage you to give what you can. Perfect. Well said. Well, Denise, Alan, thank you for uh, sitting down and talking to us about Endow Manitoba today. Have fun on the 24-hour giving challenge, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next, Sonny Primolo's conversations at the Sednet gathering, which took place a couple of weeks ago. He had the chance to speak with a couple of the keynote speakers about the importance of getting together and building community in our city. So we'll hear Sonny's conversations after our next musical break. Before we get to that, though, here is Eugene Amaro with People, right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sunny Pomolo, and as I mentioned last week, I visited the Canadian Community Economic Development Networks, The Gathering, held on October 19th. Last week, we heard from Regional Director Sarah Leeson Klim about the event, and this week we'll get to hear the views of two of The Gathering's keynote speakers and why they feel events like The Gathering is important for our community. Here is my conversation with Abdi Ahmed, Director of Immigration Partnership, Winnipeg. Why was it important for you to be here today? It's quite an interesting time that we have today. I see that we have a responsibility and we have a job for us to do. There's movement in the wrong direction in our societies. We're uh, taking a lot of things for granted. There's a lot of discriminatory practices as a society we are getting disengaged from being active in our community to do progressive work and i thought it's important for us to come and talk about these things to engage ourselves to bring ourselves back to our responsibility to change society for the better absolutely you also mentioned uh, during your speech that you have noticed a lot of positive changes throughout time 
yeah, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, I am very hopeful. I think this will even make us better. Uh, it's true, it's cyclical, and uh, you know, we have uh, life uh, in history. We have had ups and downs, uh, but throughout the time, there's been improvement, and things have been changing for the better. When these kind of things happen, as it is happening right now, uh, we have protectionism and you know um, discrimination against uh, um, people of color, and uh, we also seen you know uh, the investment in uh, in the rich, leaving the weak and powerless to nothing. And these things, when they happen, they wake up society. And I'm quite optimistic that this gives us a moment to reflect on what we need to do, what we haven't done that um, we have taken for granted, and what we need to change for now. One thing that you also mentioned during your speech, which was really powerful, was the change starts at home. Can you explain that a little bit? Change starts at an individual place. Every person has a responsibility. The biggest problem that we can have in society is to take things for granted and to be complacent and to say that you know life is going on normally and leave it to people who are doing themselves every day and trust that those are going to change it for us. This is very problematic because change belongs to everybody. And if change does not happen at an individual capa uh, place where everyone takes the responsibility to do change for community, for society, then things will not move. So people need to embrace the idea of taking the responsibility to move things in the right direction from their own home, from their dinner tables, these talking to their own children and their spouses and their family members and their neighbors at the barbecues and this sort of creates a global movement. If every person takes this responsibly from their own perspective and moves it from wherever they are, then we all meet at a point where we change society for the better. You were asked as a plenary speaker to say one word to the many in attendance, and that word was solidarity. Why did you choose solidarity? I think uh, solidarity is very important because we've invested in the, in the lives of people to make it better, and this country actually gets the return on investment on refugees and we've always thought about these things and we've always had people come into this country we've opened our arms to it but the thing is that right now there's this rise in anti-immigration and uh, people who are, who are saying we don't want immigration as if it's going to take away from the food on their table and a few people who are affected by the problem are taking on the issues those of us who are living in privilege are living it and uh, hoping that things will go on but I think we need to be in solidarity with those who are affected who are living the problems um, those who are living in poverty uh, the indigenous people whose children have been taken away we need to be in solidarity and work with people and we need to wake up to these kind of things can you just share with us what immigration partnership Winnipeg is and what they do immigration partnership Winnipeg is a is a program that works to create inclusive welcoming communities for immigrants and refugees in Winnipeg. We, uh, as a country and as a province, we know that our economy depends on immigration. That if we do not have immigration, that our economy is going to stop, uh, you know, and then ground to a halt. For example, in the city of Winnipeg, we have almost 50% of the population of Winnipeg being immigrant families. So if we don't change the status quo to reflect on the needs of newcomers, then we are failing ourselves. So our job is to work with the systems 
to change, for example, the schools. How can we change the school system to reflect the needs of kids? How can we create role modeling in our schools to have uh, teachers who are internationally educated or teachers of diverse background? Um, how can our city create an inclusive, welcoming community for newcomers that addresses the unique needs of newcomers in the municipal planning process? How can we work with companies and our employers to be able to remove barriers so that the skilled immigrants and refugees who come to this province and this country can realize their potential and contribute to the growth of our economy within the shortest time? So these are things that we do to address the policies to change for newcomers to create this welcoming community so that as a community we feel that immigration is important to us and the immigrants themselves feel that there's a community that's welcoming them. Thank you very much, Abdi. Thank you. After this short musical break, we'll speak with Elder May Louise Campbell, another keynote for the gathering. Stay tuned on River City 360. Thanks, Sunny. We've got more from the gathering, one of the other keynote speakers that Sunny was able to speak to a couple of weeks ago. But before we get to that, how about K-Star with And that reminds me right here on River City 360. I hear the sound of music Your favorite kind And that reminds me, dear, of you I see the summer roses Your favorite shade of roses And that reminds me, too
Hello and thank you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Pomolo and with me today is Elder May Louise Campbell from the Ojibwe Salto Métis Nation. Uh, thanks for coming to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. So you were actually one of the plenary uh, speakers at today's SEDNET gathering. Why did you feel that it was important for you to be here today? Well, uh, I was really thrilled that they would ask me, uh, you know, you, uh, when you're as old as I am and been around for as long as I have, uh, uh, I was quite surprised and very honored to have been asked. And, uh, and mainly, I, I suppose uh, they are familiar with some of the, uh, the issues that I uh, believe in and I'm passionate about, especially when it comes to the feminine and uh, and how to, to build on that, and they know I'm passionate about that. You actually have quite the resume. So you are the elder in residence at Red River College and the University of Manitoba Faculty of Social Work Selkirk Campus. Uh, you sit on Mayor Bowman's Indigenous Advisory Council. Uh, you're a wisdom keeper on the Grandmother Council of Manitoba. Yes, it, it's the Kokums Kanad Dimawad Abinujiak, which means grandmother speaking for children looking after our children, yes. Quite the resume, and obviously with that, tons of experience. Now that you're here today, you see this group of people come together, together, if you may, to talk about ways that we can bring people together, improve our community. What were some of the messages that you wanted to portray to the group here? I think because of my age and the experience of being around from you know, 85 years ago where I was born in this little community in northern Manitoba where we had no running water, no electricity, no cars. We didn't have any of those things. And uh, and, and so uh, and so here I am today in my age, which is 85 years actually, uh, have seen tremendous change around the world and uh, especially anything to do with technology and how we're moving ahead so fast. I just have to take a deep breath sometimes and think, oh my gosh, how can we handle all this, all these changes so rapidly? And of course, some people are excited about it and there's many things to be excited about. But I also believe that there's many things we should be concerned about as we move so quickly into this world of technology. What kind of things do you feel that there should be concern for? Well, in our traditional way, in our belief systems, we always believe that the human person is made up of four dimensions, what we call the medicine wheel teachings, which is body, mind, spirit, and emotions. And what I'm seeing, or my understanding of it, I have to also say to you that I'm not an academic educated person. <laughs> But I think I have a different education that I really believe is missing from the human race and from the education system. And that's to educate the spirit of the human person. And so that's the way I can describe it. And so we're so busy educating the mind, which is amazing, and there's nothing that the mind cannot learn. And we can have like a book of encyclopedia, know everything but still know nothing. <laughs> and so it's, it's how we develop as humans. And in our traditional way, many years ago before contact, that, that we had no written language, you have to remember. And so our education at that time was the education of the world and how we are connected to every living thing and how we learn our behavior and our values from watching nature. 
and studying nature. And that's what we did. <laughs> and so that means that a child would be learned from a very young age how to learn to be in control of their mind, their bodies, their spirits. And now we add emotions to that. And so, so that was the way of teaching our children, to teach them that they have that power and were born with it. Now my, my thought of what's happening in today's world is that we're not doing that anymore. We're only educating the, the mind. Not only should we be educating the mind, we should be educating our spirit. Thank you again, uh, Elder May Louise Campbell, for coming to speak with us today on River City 360. Any words that you would like to say just before I let you go? Well, I just, I, I say to the women, be bold, find your voices, and let's stand up and say no more for everything, not just the abuse to stop, but for the men. Let's, let's pray for our men that they, in fact, will also get on board and we can walk side by side. Thank you to both Abdi Ahmed and Elder May Louise Campbell. If you'd like to learn more about the gathering or other SEDNET offerings, please visit their website at ccednet-rcdec.ca. Again, that's ccedet-rcdec.ca for more info on how you can strengthen Canada's communities. Thanks again to senior producer here at River City 360, Sonny Primolo, for those great conversations from Sednet's The Gathering. Up next, we'll be joined by Wendy Martin-White. She is the chair of IDEA, which stands for Inclusion, Diversity, and Equality Appreciation. And we'll be learning more about the Gratitude Gala that's happening this Saturday, November 3rd, and about the honorees that will, uh, that will be receiving awards at the Gratitude Gala. Before we get to that, though, here is Nat King Cole with That's All, right here on River City 360. I can only give you love that lasts forever And the promise to be near each time you call And the only heart I own For you and you alone That's all That's all I can only give you country walks In springtime And a hand to hold When leaves begin to fall And a love whose burning light Will warm the winter night That's all That's all There are those I am sure Who have told you They would give you the world For a toy All I have are these arms To enfold you And a love time can never destroy If you're wondering what I'm asking in return, dear You'll be glad to know that my demands are small Say it's me that you'll adore For now and evermore, that's all 
that's Wondering what I'm asking in return, dear You'll be glad to know that my demands are small Say it's me that you'll adore For now and evermore, that's all That's all Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Wendy Martin-White. She is the chair of Idea Canada. Wendy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Idea, tell us a little bit about Idea and what the organization does. Yeah, so so Idea is actually an acronym that stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equality, and Appreciation. And it's really the umbrella organization that has overseen um, a couple of um, events in the community. And it promotes these concepts and values uh, in the past through these events, um, one being youth programming and in particular the Youth Leadership Summit that's happened in the past. And then as well through the Gratitude Gala, uh, which we have um, an upcoming gala coming up shortly. The Gratitude Gala, which, as you mentioned, is happening just around the corner, taking place this November 3rd on Saturday. Tell us a little bit about the focus of the Gratitude Gala and how that idea came to fruition. So it's really a celebration, frankly, of community members who've made a difference in our community uh, by helping newcomers, whether that's through um, employment or agencies um, that assist newcomers in integrating into Canada. And also it's a celebration of newcomers who have come and made a difference to Canada by their contributions. And so really that was the, the idea behind it is oftentimes, like we talk about, there's challenges, but there's also successes. And we really wanted to recognize that. I think that has been the, the, um, the history behind the Gratitude Gala and is an idea that it's important that we also acknowledge the good that comes from newcomers coming to Canada and the good that happens when Canadians embrace inclusiveness and diversity and newcomers. For this year's Gratitude Gala Awards, can you tell us about some of the categories and who some of the honorees are this year? Yeah, so there's the Ubuntu Award, which is given to a Canadian who demonstrates dedication, compassion, and leadership in the areas of immigrant services. And we have Sister Aileen Gleason. She has been a lifelong supporter and dedicated uh, volunteer. 30-plus years ago, she founded the Hospitality House Refugee Ministry. The other one is Anne Mahone, who is a well-known author and also has been a supporter of and committed volunteer 
for 30 years doing work with the refugee community. Another one is the Malayika Award, which is a recognition uh, to a refugee or immigrant who's demonstrated dedication, compassion, and leadership in the area of immigrant services. And we have three recipients this year. Margaret Van Lau, who's a Polish immigrant who for the last 20 years has worked at NEEDS, which specializes in servicing the immigrant and refugee community. Christos Katapotis, he in particular has been instrumental in the Hellenic community in Manitoba and Canada and when promoting the Manitoba Hellenic Immigrant Initiative, and that has been successful in bringing qualified immigrants from Greece and Cyprus to fill jobs in Manitoba. Maggie Yeboa is a social worker with the Hope Centre Healthcare for 12 years. She is also the president of the Ghanaian Union of Manitoba. The Rafiki Award is recognizing employers, government, or nonprofit organizations that have made outstanding achievements in implementing diversity initiatives. And we have two recipients there, Suzanne Braun, co-owner of Relish, and she's been a very active supporter and donated a number of pro bono hours to assisting with various refugee and immigrant initiatives. Albert Altassi, I think, is a very well-known local businessman who has, both within his workplace, peerless garments, and as well within the Muslim community, has contributed greatly. We have the Niyota Award, which is recognizing a newcomer between the ages of 14 and 29 who have made outstanding contributions or significant achievements. And our recipient this year is Patricia Kumba-Kisaka. She has a BA in political science, has volunteered and been recognized as a young leader in a number of uh, award ceremonies. We also have for our Immigrant Entrepreneur Award, Evelyn Halissi, who is the CEO of eHalissi Decor. She's run a successful business while raising her seven children. And then finally, a new award this year is the Gratitude Award, which is to a leader in the Indigenous community to express a sincere gratitude to Indigenous peoples for welcoming newcomers from all over the world to this land. And the recipient is Senator Murray Sinclair. And so that is our 10 recipients this year. So if people are interested in attending this year's Gratitude Gala, what can you tell us about the event and and how can they purchase tickets or learn more? We're happy to say that the dinner and ceremony awards portion of the event has sold out, uh, but we did get an overwhelming response of wanting to um, hear the keynote speaker. So what we did is we have offered a lecture ticket that is available on Eventbrite. You can connect to it on the website for Idea Inc. And that is www.ideacanada.org or the Eventbrite if you search under the Gratitude Gala with Stedman Graham, who is our keynote speaker. You'll be able to purchase those tickets. They're $50 a ticket and it also allows you to view the Mandela exhibit at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, which is our partner in this uh, gala this year, we're pleased to say. And so if you purchase your tickets online, you will be able to come to the CMHR at 7 o'clock and you'll be able to tour that exhibit. 
The lecture will start at 8 o'clock, and we're very pleased to have Stedman Graham, who is a noted educator, author, and businessman, to be speaking on the very values that we obviously espouse, identity, inclusion, and diversity. So he'll be speaking for about 45 minutes, and there'll also be a, a sort of a briefer recognition of those recipients as well at that time for those who weren't able to come to the dinner portion of the event. So as Wendy said, if any of our listeners would like to celebrate inclusion and diversity and and community leadership here in, in Winnipeg, the Gratitude Gala and the keynote speech is a great way to do that. And that is taking place this Saturday, November 3rd at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And you can get more information on the website at ideacanada.org. Wendy Martin-White is the chair of Idea Canada. Wendy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And thank you for letting us do this. City 360 for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast. You can find all of that online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the program. If there's anything that you'd like to share with us about what you heard on the show, or if you'd like to request a song or even suggest a topic for a future show, let us know. 
our number that you can call, it's our listener line, open 24-7, so just leave us a message. The number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also hit us up on Twitter by searching at RiverCity360 on the Twitter machine, or look on Facebook and search RiverCity360 on there as well. I'm Nolan Becknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Mm-hmm.